Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity we have to come together to study and to be led by you in your word and help us to understand what we're looking at in your son's precious name. Amen. Amen. Leviticus chapter 19, starting at verse 19. You shall keep my statutes. You shall not let your cattle gender with diverse kinds. You shall not sow your seeds with mingled seed, neither shall you, your garments mingle with of linen and wool come upon you. So we're going to stop right there for a moment because this is one that there's a lot of people that gripe and complain about this verse, but this verse has a lot to do with the practices, fertility practices of the Canaanite people. And what they would do is they would plant their seed with all kinds, their fields with all kinds of different seeds, and then they would cast spells over that and pray for a pray for a good harvest. And the idea of not letting your cattle go with diverse kinds, uh, that is trying to crossbreed your animals into some other other kind, you know. And that would be horses and mules creating you know, your, your burrows and stuff, uh, you know, mixing different cats, I mean, things that can, things that can mate, but don't normally do it unless they're kind of, you know, pushed <laughs> to do so. And God is saying not to do these things. And uh, apparently if you try to mix linen and wool, they don't mix very well together. Uh, and don't, don't combine to make good cloth anyway, so. And nowadays we make all these plastic clothes, so it's. <laughs> but we just want to look at this. He's saying, be careful to follow his statutes. Don't try to be like the world that they're going to. Uh, and there's a lot of these restrictions that he makes because this is the way that they did things in Canaan. And he says, you're going to be different. And God does that a lot of times. He says, you're going to do things that are going to be different than the people around you. And that's part of their, the keeping of the Sabbath that the Jews were to do. They were to take and, and rest one day a week. And they were accused of being lazy by a lot of different cultures because most cultures work six days, uh, seven days a week. And, and the Jews, they were accusing the Jews of having to take a vacation every week, a one-day vacation every week. Uh, they were considered lazy because of it. And God is saying, you're going to be different. You're going to be different from everybody else around you. And this is one of the ways that he says you're going to be different. You're not going to mix your fields. It would also make it kind of interesting to harvest your field, too, if you have different kinds of grain on your, on your field. It would be very difficult to harvest without having the multiple grains in your, in your harvest. And then you have to find a way to uh, separate them at that. I think that would be harder. It would be. And this is, why, this is why it's forbidden is because it was done one field would be in an area or two fields would be done in their area and, and the spells and the, and the prayers would be said for, to the false gods. And so God's going to say, you're going to be totally different. Besides the fact that multiple different, different plants in one field will eat up the nutrients from the, plant, uh, the ground faster too. Uh, we've learned how to rotate our, rotate our crops nowadays where you can, this, this particular plant eats up you know, the magnesium out of the soil, this one eats up the you know, sodium, I'm, I'm making things up, but I mean, each, each plant eats up different nu nutrients from the, the ground, so mixing your seed would not be a very good way of, of uh, utilizing your ground either. It's also a picture of being unequally yoked. 
not matched up properly. Okay, and God's been on there on them all about all this. You will not marry, you know, the Canaanites. You're not to marry outside of, outside of the Jewish Jewish nation. Uh, so it's a way of also describing to them the unequal yoked view. So lots of things being shown here. Uh, verse 20. And whosoever lieth lays carnally with a woman that is a bondmaid, betrothed to a, to a husband, and not at all redeemed or freedom given her, she shall be scourged, and she shall not be put to death. They shall not be put to death because she was not free. And he shall bring a trespass offering unto the Lord unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, even a ram of a trespass. The priest shall make an atonement for him with the ram of the trespass offering before the Lord for his sin, which he has done, and the sin which he has done shall be forgiven him. All right, we're going to look at this one because this one sounds totally unjust to most people when you read it, correct? And I would agree because it's mistranslated. So we're going to, we're going to look at this a little closer. Whosoever lies carnally with a woman that is a bondmaid betrothed to a husband, okay, so this is basically taking somebody who is a slave or a servant and, and having sex with that person that has a husband and is not at all redeemed nor freedom given to her, so she has to be released, basically. She has to be paid, you know, it has to be paid for and, and free, and free, or freedom given to her. She shall be scourged. Now, this word scourged in Hebrew literally means that there will be an investigation. All right? They will investigate this basically to see did she any, in any way participate willingly on this, or did she, was she completely forced into this, into this action? And this word investigate does have the idea that if found guilty, there'll be a scourging. And, and so when this was translated, they just skipped the investigation part and went straight to scourged. But this word really means that when, if this person takes this slave, this bond servant, this, this, this young woman out of, that's in, his, in his servitude and has sex with her, and she's betrothed because if she's betrothed she belongs to somebody else then it will be in the guy either has to release her or or give her a payment for the for her release of her betrothal and then then they'll, they'll then they will do an investigation and say okay was she willing to do this or was she kind of coerced if she's coerced then she's free because she was because she wasn't free to begin with. So she was, she could be saying, well, I was just doing what I was told to do because I'm the, the servant. And then she would be freed if she somehow was shown that she wanted it or. She was raped. Yeah, huh? Or she was raped or. or yeah, technically they're saying it's not rape because, because she, she's property. You've got to understand that women in that day were not considered citizens anyway, they were property. And this is a sad thing that's been out there and still is in many parts of the world that women are considered property and have no rights. And it's only in places where Christianity has held sway that women have had rights as, as individuals because Christianity has raised up the position of women. And if you go to most Asian countries and most Middle Eastern or even African countries, women are still treated very poorly and 
this is something that is unfair, but it was God's putting a restriction on them saying, because in, in their mentality, this person was a servant. They could do whatever they want to her because she's property. And God's saying, no, you can't do that. You're going to have to, if you, if you take her, you're going to either have to make her your wife, set her free, or take the penalty for having done this. And God is putting a higher price on the, on the, on the person of the woman. It's not completely free. It's not, and remember, we've talked about this, how God's rules, they sound harsh to us. Now, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, we, you know, sounds like a really harsh, cruel place to be. But in their day, it was a pretty big restriction because if somebody hurt me, I could only hurt them equal to what they hurt me. And the way of their life, the way of the people around them, if, if you hurt me, I could just kill you and take everything you, you had if I was strong enough to. Okay, so when God says an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a stripe for a stripe, he's going, no longer can you go in and just destroy this person who harms you. You can only take equal amount of retribution. Then Jesus comes along and he makes it even stronger and says, no, I don't even say retaliate at all. I say, love your enemy. Okay, so I just want to keep this in mind as we're reading these crazy, you know, things to us that seem like crazy, harsh laws. For their day, they were quite restrictive. And I, do you understand what I'm saying on that? You know, we look at it and say, wow, this is crazy. This guy's getting away with anything, you know, can get away with anything. And yet God's telling him, no, you can't. You're going you're gonna to pay. You're going to release, you know, you're going to lose your servant. You're going to buy, buy, the, buy the betrothal price. And that basically means that she becomes his bride and not, not the person that she was engaged to. He's putting a line on it saying, no, you just can't abuse, the, you can't abuse your slaves. You can't abuse your servants. You can't just make these women lay down with you. And that was the way, I mean, child labor used to be very prevalent in this, in this world. Uh, and this is, and this is why I just want to bring this out. I mean, it sounds harsh, but it isn't as harsh as it sounds to our modern day ears. It sounds extremely harsh. You know, boy, this guy's getting away with everything. But no, God is putting quite a restriction on him saying, hey, if you're going to do this, gonna it's going to cost you something. You're either going to make her your bride by redeeming, redeeming the betrothal from the other person. You're going to give her her freedom. Then, then there's going to be an investigation and see if this was a a willing participation from both sides and then there'll be punishment. Uh, and then the man, the woman, if she was found to be willing and, and you know, was wanting that she would be scourged. Now this is interesting though that God says that this isn't a death penalty because adultery and betrothal was, his, was equal to marriage in those days. So this action technically is a death penalty action to have sex with somebody who's betrothed, that's adultery. And if, it, if she wasn't willing, then it was rape, So which, which you're going to find out also is a debt capital punishment in, in God's economy. But when it was somebody who was a servant, he didn't go so far as to say it's a death penalty. Uh, so there, there is a, a lot here that seems like, to, when I read this, it just sounds like a weird thing to me. Uh, especially knowing some of the other rules, but God is just, he's putting a great restriction on them. The man has to bring a trespass offering to the Lord at the congregation, even a ram for a trespass offering. Now, remember, a trespass offering normally could be a bullock, a ram, a lamb, a goat, or a bird if you're really poor. 
In this case, God is saying there's no option. You're going to offer one of the more expensive offerings if you're going to do this. So there's, he's putting restriction on it. It's costing a, a costing him a lot. It's costing him a ram out of his flock. He's costing him, you know, the the individual. And then it says the priest shall make atonement for him with the ram of the trespass offering, and it is a sin offering, and his sin shall be forgiven. So God is saying it is a sin. And God is trying to make his people have a higher standard than those around him. And remember, we've talked about this a lot. Their, their, the way they worshipped in, included sexual activity when they worshipped. And, and in Canaan, they had no rules for incest or bestiality or, or uh, polygamy. They just had whatever they wanted, and it was just considered legal and okay. That's how bad the place was they were going. And God's saying, no, you're not going to be like these people. You are going to have strict rules of morality. And we look at them sometimes and say it's not all that moral, but it was, in, it was greatly restricted to them. Sometimes you'll hear people say that this is a really bad thing because, it, because of the way it was translated. Uh, she, would, she, would be, she would be scourged, uh, but it's, it was I mistranslated. Scourge, I, I thought first scourge meant that they were going to burn her. I just, I didn't know what scourge. Scourging is to be beaten with a, basically a cat of nine tails. Have your body beat raw and blood. And when you shall come into the land you sh and, have, and shall have planted all manner of trees for food, then you shall count the fruit thereof as uncircumcised. Three years shall it be uncircumcised unto you, and you shall not eat of it. And in the fourth year, all the fruit therein shall be holy and pr to praise the Lord therewith. And in the fifth year, you shall eat the fruit thereof, that it may yield unto you an increase thereof. I am the Lord your God. So now God is saying that when you plant your trees in the new, takes five years. new land, yeah. it's going to be five years before they can eat of the trees. The first three years, they're just to let it go to waste completely. Uh, and this is partially you've got to remember what has God has said about this land is that it has been a polluted land. Everything about the land has been polluted. So now when they plant their trees, they're going to be not able to eat of them for three years. And on the fourth year, everything that they, everything they get belongs to God. So they will take it to the temple and give it to the priests on the, on, the fourth, on, the, on the fourth year. And then on the fifth year, they're going to get to eat it. That would be like teasing them. Well, if you think about this, if you've ever planted a fruit tree anyway, it takes a few years before it really is going to produce anyway to any, to any degree. Uh, those first couple years, if you get, you know, especially those first two or three years, you're, if you get anything produced on it. <laughs> I'm weird because I have stuff that I draw my water out to the plant. I throw the seeds out and it grows from the seed. When it gets so tall, like I have this one only like this tall already has free fruit on it. And I can eat them. Yeah. You know, but it's just for one person. But I think that's so cool because I threw the seed out and it yeah. But God is saying those first couple of years when it's so few on the tree anyway. So I shouldn't be if God well, told me I should. That's be. what God told his people yeah. in the land yeah. of Canaan. 
Now, whether this means that all people everywhere are supposed to do that or every tree you've ever planted, you well, can't I mean, eat for the first. Yeah. <laughs> but he says in the fourth year, all the fruit belonged to God. So it was to be brought in as, their, as part of their tithe. Then the fifth year, they got to eat it. God's teaching them patience. He's teaching them the, the virtue of waiting. And, uh, and I love it. At the end of this, so many of these, God says, I am the Lord your God. Okay? And basically, he's telling them, this may not make sense. It may not even sound good to you, but I am God. You're going to do things my way. Whether you like it or not, I'm telling you this, and I am the God. I am God. You're going to do it my way. So this is something to be able to look at, that God sometimes is just telling him, you're going to be different from the people, and you're just going to do it. Verse 26. You shall not eat anything with the blood, neither shall you use entrapment nor observe times. You shall not round the corners of your heads, nor shall you mar the corners of your of your beard. You shall not make any cuttings on your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you. I am the Lord your God. All right, so here we go with some more things. Yes? Go ahead. I'm going to ask some questions too, if you don't answer them. Okay. All right, verse 26. You shall not eat anything with the blood therein. So we're going to start with that. One of the things they had to do is any of the food they ate, they had to drain all the blood out of. All right? That's the Jewish practice to this day. And the reason being that God says the life of the flesh is in the blood. So he wants nothing being eaten that still has any trace of the life in it. And even today, most of the meat you buy, even though it looks like blood, it's not blood in most of the meat. It's stuff they put in it that makes it look like blood. It's a red dye in most meats out there. Uh, you shall not use enchantments. All right, enchantments, the practice of divination, the opposite, the watching of omens and signs. Okay, God is basically starting to st say you're not going to do witchcraft. Uh, you're not going to observe times. And this is what soothsayers and fortune tellers and astrologers do. They look at the stars. They watch the stars. They try to predict from the stars. Uh, to observe times means? It's, in this case, it is. And watching, uh, observing times means that your monthly feast, your, 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 your seasonal like feasts. Horoscopes, horoscopes are, are not allowed according to this. Uh, all of that, anything to do with astrology is not to be followed. Uh, anybody who's telling, trying to tell the future, enchantments, you know, remember we talked about how they were, the pagan practice was to plant the multiple seeds in their field and then put, say, the yeah. spells and enchantments. God is, God is basically saying you're not to do any of those things. That's what they're doing. And he says, because I am your God again. He says, you shall not round your corners of your heads, neither shall you mar the corners of your beards. And this is taken to an extreme to this day uh, by the Jews. The, the Hasidic Jews do not trim their hair or their oh, beards at all. Um, <laughs> but in the, in the Middle East, in their day, and still today by many of them, when somebody dies, they 
cut their hair and cut their beard in such a way as to honor the dead and to honor the, the gods. And so he's saying you're not to do that. And it's, this, is, this is what he's really referring to here, is you're not going to do the things that worship other gods. And what they would do is they would cut their hair in such a way that it formed the symbols of, of the gods and the deities that they were following. And God's saying, don't do it. And so today it's gone to the full extreme where you know the really extreme conservative Hasidic Jews do not cut their beards or their hair and that is not what God ever said. The only time, only people he told not to cut their hair at all were the people that were practicing the Nazarite vow, which we have Are not gone Amish into. Are Amish people Jews? No. They got the long beards. You know, Amish, Amish follow a lot of these rules uh, because they follow real heavily into the righteousness, but they don't, they don't go to where you say no cutting of the hair. So. And then it says, you shall make no cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks on you, for I am the Lord your God. And so this is, again, the whole idea. The first part of it is you shall make no cuttings in your flesh. And it's a kind of an amazing thing to us that cutting is becoming a very popular thing amongst teenagers now. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll get to that one next, but cutting, literally just cutting their skin... And not well, not so much the wrist, but just making cuts in their in their body to is becoming a really I don't know if it's fashionable or or what, but I mean this really shows you how far we've come in our society that the God is saying not to do that, which seems to be something that Satan pushes. Satan seems to be pushing this eye of mutilating your body, very big in this and even in our day and age to mutilate and cut the body. You know uh, and then there's the excessive earrings and, and great big hoops that they, you know, make their ears, the bottom parts of the ears and these big huge holes. Basically, I think it's a satanic move on a lot of it because... And it is a fad, but it's a fad that going, that's going backwards, that's going back into the world. But it is something that is going backwards. I mean, we'd, we'd, we'd had gotten away from it and all of a sudden the world is going back into all of this. We look at this next part and it says, do not print any marks on your body for I am Lord. And there's two views on what this verse means. One is that it matches up to the first part which is make no cuttings in your flesh for the dead and says make no tattoos for the dead. And this was in a time time when people died and they'd make tattoos for the dead trying to either remember them or to or their righteous you know for their yeah we're getting a lot of that right now we've got a, we've got a real culture of death developing uh, the whole thing of the in memories and the names of people and and the dark and, and you're getting the skulls and all these other things that we have a real culture of worshiping after death right now oh, that's God, going on. Why do you tattoo your back? You can't see it. Well, well other people can see it. Well, so and the other one is just the idea of, you know, so the one side is that it has re- religious connotations and, and death culture. And the other one is that there, that has been used for many, 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 many years that we shouldn't tattoo our bodies and, and desecrate the body that God has given us. Uh, I don't know the right answer on that one. I have nev- I've never had a desire to put a tattoo on my, bi- my body. I'm not going to criticize most people for, you know, anybody for putting no tattoo on their body. That's between them and God. Uh, if they start putting things with 
with the death culture and all that, then I have a little more problem because that's a little, little bit repulsive as far as I'm concerned. And this one definitely would work against that. Uh, it is a hard thing to, to see and do because it defaces what God has done. And it is between them and God in the long run. And unfortunately, what most of these people who get their tattoos when they're young, they regret it when they're older and want to get rid of it. When their body is stretched out and the tattoo no longer looks pretty and good. Uh, now I'm seeing older people getting tattoos. Yeah. One lady got one right on her forehead. Oh. Here you go. Yeah. Well, I and I don't know why people do that. I, I, don't, I don't find it pretty. I, mean, I don't I find see, it. If they want a little tiny tattoo, I've got two tattoos. I mean, little yeah. ones. They're small. Yeah. They're small. That, that's okay. I think you know that. But these, and I got tattoos before they were popular. Yeah. And like I say, this this yeah. verse is one of those that you, you people have to deal with it between them and God. The only thing that I got a tattoo that I had before I got to get it is my eyeliner. I have my eyeliner tattoo. The makeup tattoo. Yeah. Yeah, the permanent makeups. So I will not make any strong statements on this on this tattoo because there there are two schools of thought. Like I say, the one is that it matches up to the first half and it's for the dead, you know, making marks on your body for the for the dead, uh, religious reasons. And this is something that people would have to be very careful. I see a lot of people putting tribal signs, you know, on their body and they don't even know what they're putting on their body at that time. Or uh, Asian letters and everything. Who knows what words have been put on their body in those cases because they don't usually. Uh, so there's some things where I would say there's there's some things you're just being dumb to put on your body. Jailhouse. Well, jailhouse are different altogether because that's part of gang gang related. Yeah. I've seen some students that are saying, oh, Mrs. Wells, I'm looking up crosses. I'm going to put my grandfather's birth date and death date on my on the cross. That probably crosses this verse. Yeah, for, for those who are Christians. I didn't say anything. So I'm looking at him. I said, "Why are you defiling your body, son?" My son had a tattoo on his arm, on his upper arm here. When he became a Christian, he had a change to a Christian tattoo. Yeah, Jesus. But this is one of those things that, that is unfortunately not a real clear, a lot of people look at this and say, don't tattoo yourself, and I'm going, well, it, there's too much question on that when you get down into it. It's, it's a questionable, I wouldn't do it because that's how I would read it, but I'm also not going to criticize somebody that does. All right, verse 30. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. So again, he's reminding them that they are to keep the sanctuary. You missed 29. Oh, did I? Yep, I did. All right, verse 29. Do not prostitute your daughters, nor cause her to be a whore, lest the land fall into whoredom and the land become full of wickedness. And this one is just, to me, something that is really, I can't even imagine, even though I know what happens. Don't be a pimp. 
Uh, well, even worse, it's taking your own flesh and blood. I mean, it's yeah, don't tempt your daughter. You know, this is taking your daughter and and dishonoring her and profaning her, you know, her body and and again, this goes, huh? Oh, I know it happens, and it you know, especially in the heavy drug culture and everything. When they need a fix, they'll sell their own body, sell their daughter's body, their wife's body, anything it takes to to get that fixed. And this is basically what God's saying: don't do. But again, this goes into you're going into a culture where anything goes. You're not going to do this. They're, it's weird how this, this is saying this all, and this world is coming back to this. Yes. The land will become full of wickedness. And the land will full of horror. Become full of wickedness. Full of wickedness. Yeah. And become full of wickedness. Well, but in this case, again, we go back to the picture of women under this under this time frame have no rights. They're property. So it's not uncommon for some for most of their most of their neighbors to take their daughters or anybody else and just prostitute them and because they're property. They're not considered precious. But they wouldn't marry one. They wouldn't appear one to marry. I don't know so much in this day and age either. So well, no, it's. No, back then it was. But. They could sell their own daughters, but boy, they wouldn't want to marry one they'd been. That's right. They'd want a virgin to marry. But this is, this is a world, and, you know, we've. And what you just said earlier, I mean. Our world is returning back to the yeah. evilness of this. And we've been spoiled in our generation because we've had things fairly well yeah. designed, at least, in, at least in America and Europe, where, where Christianity has held sway and, been, and changed the, the morality of the people. Our, our women have, respond, have rights. They have, they're, they're held precious. You know they're 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 considered you know somebody that needs to be protected under the under the Christian mindset. We have personal rights are important, possessions are important, life itself is important. Well, I think too back then maybe they did it, but at least they hid it. Now it's like they don't care. It's in the open. It wasn't so hidden in in in, certain, in, the, in the Canaanite and the Egyptian. No, I'm, I'm talking about the 50s and 60s. Oh yeah. Well, because everything has always happened. Believe me, all this stuff has always happened. But under the Christian morality, it has been disapproved of. And you've got to understand that, and you can look at Asia and, and Middle East and, and Africa and even parts of South America still, this kind of activity still goes on without any second thought going on about it because women have little to no rights in most in most of those countries now the more they've gotten westernized the more they've seen some rights but even even this is starting to go backwards again and this is where it gets very scary as we look at our as we look at where our world is headed we're seeing all the stuff that god forbids becoming normal not quite normal yet but it's getting closer it's it's getting more and more prevalent it's getting more accepted we're working our way back into the days of Noah, and all over the rest, all over the world, is doing this. Like what you said, just the gay marriage back in, everybody's accepting it, and they pass that stupid law. And gay marriage has been in certain civilizations over the year, over the year, over the millennia, 
has been accepted at various places. Well, we are degrading our morals so bad that we're starting to go back into the world. And this is why I try to help, help us see. The Roman, the Roman civilization was Christianized. So all of Rome was Christianized, and that's North Africa, through the Middle East into India, all through Europe. And Christian values and morals got integrated into the society. Now, to a greater or lesser degree, they got integrated. All right? So what has happened for us is we've been kind of spoiled in one sense because we've had a righteous, moral way of living until very recently. And there's still some morals there, but they're disappearing fast. We are becoming like the rest of the world who has always been immoral following the flesh. Because everything God's giving, saying not to do is pretty much what the flesh says do. Okay? The flesh says you're strong enough. You're, you know, the flesh does have an evolutionary mentality. Whoever's strong enough can impose their will on the other ones, which is why women were usually abused and, and treated in, in bad ways, because the men were generally stronger than the women and could just say, you're going to do it my way or, or else. You're not going to have my protection. And, and so God is saying, no, you don't do these things. You don't do these things. You don't do these things. And the Jews have always had a relatively more moral society than the rest of the world around them because they at least had God's teaching in them. Whether they followed it or not was another story. And, we, and the Bible is full of the times when they would not follow God. And you would see all kinds of sinful activity being, being pushed forward. And so this is where we're at. Okay, verse 30, you shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. And this is just his, his sign between the Jews and, and, and God is that they're going to keep the Sabbath. And then he says, and reverence my sanctuary, which at this time is the tabernacle. They were to go into the sanctuary and treat it as a holy place. Now, this is something that I see in churches today that is, is starting to shift. There was a time when there was a place that they considered the sanctuary in the church, and, and you honored it. You, know, you didn't run around. You didn't make a lot of playing and games and all of that. You, did, you, did, you, you, kept your, you kept it. It was a holy place that you went to. And now very few churches have a place that they consider holy. They meet God. It, it, it's somewhat special because we're meeting, we're, we're there, uh, but it is not a holy place. And I went to I went to a church one time that had some joint sessions, and, and the, the two churches got together, one that had a very holy sanctuary and one that didn't. And we went to the church that had the holy, the holy sanctuary type place, and this kid was jumping all up and down on the pews, and this lady went over there. Set that kid down or get him out of this church. And then the person was looking at him like, what? Because it was a holy place. You didn't misbehave and, and play the fool. And you taught your kids to behave. And I think that's a good thing in one sense. 
because it needs to be a place where you're coming for reverence. Now, the flip side of that was that you also got that mentality of you don't smile, you don't have fun. If you're, you know, if you're having fun in church in the in the holy place, something's wrong, and it went too far the other other direction a lot of times. And so, but God is saying revere, honor. It's a special place. You don't go in there and practice sin. You don't go in there and and be the fool. You're there to worship God. And I think it is important. I think it's important that you, number one, we need to teach our kids to respect other places anyway. And it's a hard thing. It's a hard place because you don't want to get so strict on it that you drive people away. But even in this this temple and everything, David had music playing 24-7 in there. He had people that, he had picked Levites that their only job was to sing and make no make music all the time in the tabernacle it was and that well in the temple at that time it was not a quiet place it seems to me like a church it's almost like in a way like a library you're quiet in a library you don't you're not loud in a library a big library it depends on the time i mean during prayer time you should be quiet during teaching time you should be quiet during during the singing time make as much noise as you want during the singing time because that's what it's for Mm -hmm. uh so, but it is still the reverence. Whatever's going on in it is to be, to be special. It's not to be, to be abused or, and if you have if you have pews and everything like we do with cloth on it, you don't want people walking on them anyway because they're hard to clean. You know, and people are sitting on it. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, that's not common sense to a lot of people anymore. My mother's break my niece when she told her if you don't behave. I'm going to take you to the basement. So she did. Took her to the basement, spanked her. And the next Sunday, this little boy was climbing over the pews, you know. She said, Grandma, I think you better take him to the basement. <laughs> yeah. And that's the other part that's hard is when one parent is being strict with their kids and teaching them honor and, they're, uh, and the then they see other kids that aren't. For our kids, we always taught them that they were to address all adults as Mr. or Mrs. or Miss. And it would be irritating when some adult would say, oh, you could just call me. And we'll go, no, my mom's, oh, you could just call me. Uh, and I'd have to go, go no, you, we are teaching them to respect adults and their children there to respect adults. If you want, we'll let them call you Mr. in your first name, but they will. <laughs> address you with some formality uh, and at College Park there was a couple of families that had taught their kids that same way and you know I was always Mr. Wells to them and as they became adults I'm going you don't have to call me Mr. Wells anymore if you don't want to you're an adult but it was so ingrained in their head yeah. you know, it's, this is an older person they're going to be addressed yeah. very formally and and respectfully and I think that's good you know it's good that we did it. When I was teaching Sunday school, I always made the class call me Mr. Wells because I didn't want that informality because it's hard to get them to listen and obey when they're, when they're treating you as an equal. And, and it's something that's very important. All right, verse 31. Regard not them that have familiar spirits, neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. All right, so we're going to look at this. Familiar spirits, those who commune with the dead. Do you believe any there's people that can do that? With, well, they're not actually communing with the dead. They're communing, communing with demons. 
pretending to be the dead person. But as far as they're concerned, they're commuting with the dead. So. You know, that's what that's a lot on TV now. I know it. Because you've got to remember, when somebody dies, they're, they're judged. And then they're held in Hades. They're not floating around this world. So when you're, when you're communicating with a spirit, that spirit is lying to you that they, that they are somebody else. And the spirit has been, you know, there are, we don't know how many spirits there are, but God says there's enough that, you know, that they cover the world. So there's, when they know the person pretty well, that, who, they're, who they're imitating, they know, they know what their habits were, they know what they did. They didn't know their thoughts, but they knew them well enough so they could so pretend. Because I believe in the spirit very well. There, the, any spirits that you are dealing Good with, spirits. huh? Good spirits. The, well, there's angels, I mean, yeah. but we're not gonna but we're not gonna well, meet okay, with them. Spirit or angel, I mean, to me, it just maybe I'm saying it wrong, but I believe that there is like angels and spirits that are. You. There probably are angels help that help you. you all the time. Help me now help we're not going to we're not going to communicate with them. No, no, I don't ever to listen no, no, to God. I to hear God. Yeah. We do know that angels will be around us. They protect us. They're ministering. They're well, ministering just like spirits. When I told you about that incident about my mom. I knew that was a angel or a spirit when she fell and right. she could. I believe in that very, very well. Well, we, we've, shared, we've shared many times about Lynn, Lynn driving a car with no yeah, tie yeah. rod. That's there, there, has to be a, there would have to be an angel holding that tire because, you know, or God yeah. supernaturally holding that tire, but it was a miracle that it happened. So, yes, there are, but this is not talking yeah, about, about that. anything yeah, good. Yeah, this yeah. is talking about the communing, the so called communi communing yeah. with the dead. The now, <laughs> this is the same thing with ghosts and everything. See, are there ghosts and spirit? You know, are there spirits pretending to be ghosts? Yes, because the demons are trying to draw people away it's from like God. Satan. But it is demons. It is not the individual lost on this world. It's not an individual yeah. lost on this world. Yeah. And this is something very important for us to understand. When you die, your body leaves this plane. Uh, your, your spirit leaves this plane and either will be in hell waiting judgment or the Bema Seat of Christ receiving your rewards for, for heaven. One or the two because you die and you immediately come into the presence of God and get dealt with. And so they're not floating around oh, waiting, no, no. waiting no, for, no, what, trying to figure out what, you know, what they did wrong in their life. No. Are there... Are there Demons that appear as ghosts. I'm going to say absolutely there are because that's... That is Satan's demons. It is a demon. It's not, it's not, a, not an imprint of the person. Yeah. It's not a leftover not of the person. It's not what you see on TV. No. Uh, it, yeah. is, it is demonic forces pretending to be somebody that they're not. Uh, and this is what he's saying. Familiar spirits. You know, those who are communing with the dead. Uh, neither... Judge you, but I don't believe in that. I'm a Christian, and I do not believe any of that belief. Yeah. And 
they just, oh, well, we just want to know, you know, I said, I'm sorry, this is how I voted. Yeah. I have never seen any of the spirits in the various places that people say they're spirits. And, and believe me, I believe that they've seen them. My aunt and uncle lived in a house that they swore they saw a spirit in, and other people have seen the spirit in. When I was there, no spirit ever showed up. My mom has a spirit in her house yeah. that is, is mischievous and, and moves things around, and I believe it's there. Yeah. And I believe that she owns something that brings this spirit with her because it was a, she had it in Sacramento. The spirit never does anything when, when we're there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, but these spirits exist. Yeah. Okay. And, and they're demons. Well, because everything is geared toward getting people to follow Satan and get away from God. Yeah. And if you can convince them that these, these spirits are somehow their, their flesh and blood and they try to lead them into areas that God doesn't want them in and they will do that then Satan has won a victory he's gotten he's kept a soul away from God and this whole idea of, of familiar spirits is also necromancy which is a community of spirits it, it is communing with the spirits all right and then it goes on neither shall you seek after wizards those who and that's those who do have practice uh, magic usually through uh, drugs and everything is what, what most of the wizards would use for their but they also worked with familiar spirits and they would, they would end up having some power sometimes because they communed with demons and demons have power to do miracles and miraculous things alright and when we get into Revelation when we start studying the book of Revelation on Tuesdays we're going to see Satan duplicates duplicates a lot of the miracles when we look back at the 10 plagues, when you look at the 10 plagues on Egypt, his sorcerers and magicians duplicated a lot of the plagues. Now, why they wanted to duplicate them and make them worse, I don't know, but they did. And but there is power in the spiritual world. Satan is duplicates lots and lots of miracles, and we see it in many churches even when when miracles are duplicated through the power of Satan rather than the power of God because he wants to draw people into his camp so he will pretend to have powers that they can use. That was Tuesday at 1, wasn't it? Yes, in, in two weeks. Oh, in two weeks. This week, this coming up week, we have our last okay. who, who, are, who, who we are in Christ. I like that verse in uh, Acts. The demons tells the guy that's trying to chase my Paul I know and Jesus I know, but I don't know who you are. Yeah. But who are you? Yeah. But this is this is basically telling the people do not engage in the spirit with the spirit world. Because God doesn't want us to worship his angels. And this was my big problem back in the days when the angels were becoming a big thing. They were on TV and and people started praying to angels and looking for looking for their angels, and they were concentrating on the wrong spirit. God is the one we concentrate, and He sends the angels as He desires them to be used to minister to us. And He doesn't want us worshiping the spirits. He is the one that gets worshipped, and very critical that we keep this in mind. The spirit world, the only spirit part that we're supposed to worry about is God. 
He never says worship the angels. He never says talk to the angels or pray to the angels or anything like that. They're servants. He, and if you think about this, a good servant is never noticed. Okay, if you're, if you're in a wealthy person's home or in, in this day, you, you, you interact maybe with the butler because he answers the door. You interact with the cooks, but good servants, even when they're serving you, are in a dinner, are, are kind of moving in and out without hardly noticing. And if they really do their job right, your stuff is being filled or disappeared and you're not even, even knowing that they were there. Okay, because they're, they're so smooth and quiet. They stand in the corners and they're to be totally unobtrusive. Uh, if you've ever watched a, a movie where all of a sudden somebody's headed for a door and the door's opened up, you know, because somebody was standing there waiting for the right time. And it's said that, that a good servant watches, their, watches the person who is in charge and there's just a quick little move of their hand and they know that it's time to do something. No words spoken, no, no, no commands. It's you know, just a quick move of the hand and they know that that means go open the doors or open the windows or, or, or chase the people out or whatever it might be. You know, but the good servant was never noticed. The angels of God are good servants. They are not so noticed. So that's good. So angels, because a lot, a lot of times I may pray something that God could you just bring one of your special angels down just to protect. And that would be a fine. That's a good. That's a fine request. That's how I do the. I don't do like. Yeah. And that would be a fine request, God. I I, I need some help. I'd yeah. appreciate you know. Uh, and so God is saying the spirit world is not where you're to engage in. Stay out of it. Verse 32. You shall rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man and, and fear your God. I am the Lord. And this is to respect age. Hoary head is the gray-haired yeah, individual. Gray-haired, hoary, hoary. It's it's old English. It means it's it's it's, it's referring to the oh, what they called the hoary frost. It was a heavy frost that like when you go out, white, everything everything would be white and, and covered with that grayish white. Like so, and honor the face of the old man. And honor the face of the old man. Uh, <laughs> But it says you shall rise up, rise up. And this goes back to the days when we used to, when people used to rise when somebody oh, yeah, older walked honor. into the room because it was honor. Yeah. And to the, to the degree where back in the days when, when men honor. would stand, when a woman would enter the room because there was an honor that was to, to be developed in there. And basically God's saying, as they get older, they deserve honor. Don't disrespect them. And what does the world say? We see it all the time now. The older you get, you're worthless. Get out of here. Know, you're not. Yeah. You're, you're totally unimportant. And it is a really sad thing. And this is this is what it's kind of scary reading this stuff when we look at it, because this is what we've seen ourselves doing for years, and now we're we're drifting back away from it. And the world is getting back into disrespect elders, disrespect women, going to the demons, uh, rejecting God being brutal to one another. It is a very scary world to be in when you really look at it. Everything God said to do, which we used to do pretty much through the, you know, 
through about the 1400s through to about the 19, you know, the 1900s to 2000, for about five to 600 years, we had a lot of honor going on. Now, maybe not because of God and everything, but they were following God's morality. And you might even be able to go back to 400, but it took a little longer than for it to really kick in. But for probably close to a thousand years, we had God's rules prevalent in the Western European world. And now we're seeing it going back. And it's really scary because we're seeing us become more and more animalistic. Good, and, and I thought that was because I was getting older, so it's not. And human, <laughs> and following the flesh, and everything God says, people are wandering away from because they're getting away from God. Well, the Irish and the Scottish were very uh, into witchcraft. Yes, no, Druidism. Druidism. Yes, Druid, and all those things. I am too. Yeah. So, but they were superstitious. And most of Northern Europe still had that same natural religion stuff going on. Uh, and places where Rome did not hold sway have a lot more of that superstitious, animal, uh, a naturalistic, droidal worship. Uh, and this is why England, France, Italy, the northern part of Africa is still fairly good, even though it's falling under Muslim rule. Uh, up through most of Germany, down across the Balk uh, Balkan, Balkan mountains, across Turkey and the Middle East have a little bit more morality. Roman still has a Roman doesn't it? Huh? Roman still has it. Has Rome still or is it changing? It's changing. The whole world is yeah. is losing and walking away from God or walking away from the God of the Bible anyway. There's, there's some remnants left, but even many churches are not following the God of the Bible, and you're seeing weird practices coming out of them. And the further we get away from God, the more we go back to this animalistic demon, demon, demon way of life, uh, because the flesh is being, what, being given full reign. And the funny thing is, if you go to college, they'll say the absolute epitome of, of of dealing with yourself is to do whatever you f makes you feel good, okay? And if it makes others feel bad, tough, because you feel good, and that's the epitome of where you're supposed to be. It's called self-actualization, and it's the epitome of what you're supposed to be doing. And basically, you're telling everybody, do, what, do whatever feels good to you. <laughs> you know, and it basically falls into the demonic way of doing things. It is not God's way of doing it. As a matter of fact, God flips it completely up, upside down and says, the epitome for God is making others, lifting others and treating them better than yourself. That's the epitome for God. That's the true, complete love for God. And rejecting my own, my own desires is where I'm at when I crucify my flesh and I start living in God. Self-centered. Huh? People are self-centered. Self-centered, but they're calling it. They're they're trying to say that that's where we should be going. Self-actualization. Self-actualization is what it is, but and that self-centeredness is. And it is. It's, it's the epitome of self-centeredness. I do whatever makes me feel good, right. and that is supposed to be the ultimate. You know, be selfish. You know, don't care about anybody else, and unless it makes you feel good, you can care about anybody else. And if you feel good, it makes you feel good. But otherwise, just do what makes you feel good. I 
And God is looking at this and saying, the world is turned upside down. And this is Satan trying to get everything turned away from God. And we're headed to the days of Noah in which, which all of that happened. People did what was right in their own sight. They self-actualized, even though they, didn't, they probably didn't have that term. And in Judges, it says the people did what was right in their own eyes, and God would judge them. Uh, and we're headed to that time again where people are going to do what's right in their own eyes. And uh, I know it's pretty bad when, when, you're, when, you're, when you're doing something because you want to do it, and the next a person will say, Well, why are you doing it? Well, because I want to. Like, they don't think, like, why are you, like, just, just for instance, just a couple of days ago, got something for somebody that I didn't even know that somebody asked and wanted. But for us as Christians, for us as Christians, because God's in us, he's working out of us and we desire to do good because he's crucified our flesh. And when we're living in the spirit, we want to do what's good and we enjoy doing it. But that's abnormal to the world is abnormal to the flesh. But even the person that that asked me that I thought well I, I'm, I'm sure it's Christian but it's just you should not the wrong answer wrong question to ask I mean yeah. it's just you know like well it's hard to it's hard to tell sometimes whether somebody's a Christian or not so they won't know what I thought about the Supreme Court messed the law you know I said well before I answer any questions or say anything to you let me tell you this I am a Christian, and I will tell you what God says. I said, now that does not mean I hate the person, but I hate what they do. Yeah. Yep. All right, let's see if we can finish these up real quick. It's, and if a stranger sojourn with you in your land, you shall not vex him, but the stranger that dwells in with you shall be unto you as one born among you, and you shall love him as yourself, as, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. All right, so we look at this and he says, if there's, if there's a stranger in the land, you shall not vex them. You shall not treat them violently. You, shall, you shouldn't mistreat them. And then he goes on to say that you shall treat them as one born among you. And basically he's saying you're not going to have two sets of laws. You're going to have one set of laws. What, what you follow, they follow. Uh, you can't do something and say the, that, they, they, that the stranger... Yeah. yeah, you can't say you can go to the market and buy stuff, but they can't go to the market and buy stuff. You can't say I can lie, but you know, we can't yeah. lie, and you, but you know, it's the one law mentality. And this is something we're seeing happen a lot again. Is that there's a lot of places that are making two laws they have the laws for the citizens, and then they have the stricter laws for aliens. And you know, and this is the sad thing is in America, we're actually going the wrong way. We've got laws for Americans and then no laws for the, for the aliens because they don't belong here. So they're being told that our laws don't apply to them. And that's not what God says. All right. Now, I don't say we, I, we need different laws for them, but, you know, there should be law. Law should be followed. Or how people think, a lot of people think tourists um, or, or foreign people be charged for and regular people, you don't know. No, you do the same for everybody. Yeah, and that's big, big in tourist areas. Yeah, you know, and that's, okay. I think, you know, they act, I said, that's a tourist trap. I mean, you want to go there, fine. 
Yeah, and a lot of times these tourists are depending on you to be able to pay too. Because I remember when I was working at Popeyes, a lot of times they'd hand out a whole bunch of money, and you know, because they don't know our money at all, and you know, somebody could rip them off real easy because oh, yeah, yeah. Of, you know, mm -hmm. because they didn't know. Uh, and that's not. I get over eighty percent is tourists, and, and the only thing I was. Well, oh, German study in in, yeah. uh, in school. Mm -hmm. I think that's one thing their schools lack. Well, when I was in school, in high school, even I had to take Latin before I could take a language. Oh wow! The only thing I had to take was Spanish. No but by Spanish. but by learning Latin, you're able to handle almost any other language mm -hmm. because it, Latin is a root of but a lot that of was it. The So, all right, verse 35, you shall do no unrighteousness in judgment in, in meta-yard, in weight, or in measure, just balances, just weights, and just ephah, and a just hand shall ye have. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of Egypt. You shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. So you're not going to give different judgments. You're going to be honest. Well, you're going to be honest in judgment. This is literally going to court. You know, the but rich, yeah. the poor, the alien were all to be treated the same way. They weren't to be, you weren't to have two different rules. You weren't, you weren't to say the rich got away with something. What's that word, E-P-H-A-H? Ifa? What's that? It's a dry measure. Oh, dry measurement. Yeah. Uh, so in here, the measures, you know, your measurements, you're going to be equal in weight and in measure. Your balances are going to be right. And back in the days when you put a weight on there, they used to, a lot of unscrupulous uh, dealers would have a heavier weight for selling and a lightweight for buying. And you'd put it on, you'd put their gold on on, a, on the, on the uh, heavier weight when it was, when you were buying and you took more of their money to, to bring it up uh, or you would, if you were weighing out the ingredients to them, you'd have a lighter weight uh, than when you were buying from them. I can uh, remember weights. Huh? I can remember weights. I can remember weights vaguely. You know, you buy like a pound of beans or a pound of, you know, what the weight. I, I read a joke recently about a, a uh, baker who took a dairy farmer to court and he goes, I'm not getting a pound of butter from you anymore. It goes, well, I don't have a pound weight, so I've been using your, your one pound loaf of bread to, to measure your butter to you. So obviously he was cheating people with his one pound loaf of bread and then complaining that he was being cheated. <laughs> but that's how this thing works, you know, different weights for, And then you know, one more thing, when you sold butter, it had to be in a square of a clock. You could not sound, uh, sell butter in a round. Maybe it was the way it was formed. But this is also then he says a just balance or, or weight, just weights, a just ephah, which is a dry measurement of, of items, uh, a just hen, which is a liquid measurement. And he shall and it says, I am the Lord the God which brought you out of Egypt. So he's saying you're going to be just. You're going to treat each other fairly. You're not going to be cheating each other. Uh, 
and that you know after after the weights after the weight measurements came the scales and and you know uh, Marcus commented a couple of times that there used to be people that would just help measure their thumb on the scale just a little bit to to increase the weight on there and you'd end up paying for their thumb without knowing it uh, it says therefore shall you observe my statutes and all my judgments and do them for I am the Lord God is telling them you are going to follow my rules and why why do you have his rules not to not to make them not have any fun not to not to hurt them but to separate them from the world and to to honor other people and to to not cheat them and to have honor you know the idea of not prostituting your 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 daughters or or mistreating your servants, all of that was so that God would be honored and they would be honored and that there would be respect for people for one another. And the world looks at that and says, oh, these people are, are just going to be taking, you know, we're going to take advantage of them because they're just so naive. They don't, they don't take advantage of other people. And God is saying he's going to be our defense. He'll be our protector. But he's got rules. Lord, we just come before you. We thank you for the opportunity to open your word and, and see that how much you love and care for people and the rules that you put down were to help people be kind and just to one another. Lord, we lift, lift up Dick and ask you just to help him, help the doctors find whatever's going on with his, with his body and, and help him to be healed if that's your desire and go forward from there. We lift up the, the owner of the silver, silver shop, Lord, who's been cheated and help, help her. And we lift up Loretta's family with the loss of their loved one. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.